comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. My name is Oliver Queen. After five years in the house, I returned home with only one goal, to save my city. But my old approach wasn't enough. I had to become someone else. I had to become something else. I had to become the Green Arrow. When I was a child, my planet Krypton was dying. I was sent to Earth. I work with my adoptive sister for the DEO to protect my city from alien life and anyone else that means to cause it harm. I am Supergirl. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, with the help of my friends at Star Labs, I fight crime. I am the Flash. I'm here because the future of the world is in peril. Because of a man named Vandal Savage. I chose you eight to travel throughout time to stop them. You got the wrong guy. Hero ain't on my resume. Where I'm from, you aren't just considered heroes. You're legends. Hey everybody, welcome to DC TV Podcast, episode 71, and uh, welcome back. Uh, Because we're on the summertime schedule, we're kind of, you know, doing the episodes as we can, because we all, of course, have lives and things to do. A little Um, loosey-goosey. Yeah, things things have been kind of cool. We've had, you know, cons to go to, and, uh, you know, vacations to do, and Mm -hmm. all kinds of fun things. But we're back Mm -hmm. once again, we have a lot of news to discuss uh, we have two episodes of Preacher to discuss, uh, Sundowner and He Gone, and then uh, we're going to be discussing uh, the next two installments of our Ju- Justice League TV watching club, yeah. the, uh, the Brave and the Bold, which was the Gorilla Grodd-centered uh, episode, uh, yeah. and uh, Fury with uh, Alicia, the evil Amazon. Yeah. Speaking of evil Amazons, joining this week, this week as always, Jerry Atkinson, how are you? Trouble. <laughs> I am a golden goddess of trouble. That is such a good salad dressing. I love that dressing. <laughs> I know. Gallus, I Gallus know. I know. And the man who will sell you pictures for $5 of how Genesis in, uh, in Preacher was made, Mr. Daryl Taylor. I got two for five. Eight for nine. You got the coffee can? I got that <laughs> coffee can. You want some of that? And the reason... That um, the evil Amazon Alicia made the virus to kill off all men, mm. to rich the chub toed Sheldon. Yeah, yes. true. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I true. Mean, she did. Yeah. <laughs> she snub- He snubbed her on Tinder. It was. It was really like. Oh, not but come was- on. We all have a Martian on speed dial. Cut me a break. Well, some of us do. Oh yeah. <laughs> and joining us again uh, from the Comic Nerdgasm Facebook page. Uh, Mr. Q himself. Quainu, right? The man known as Q. Quainu. Yeah, Quainu. Okay, Quainu. Yeah. Q is good. man known as Q, who was nice enough to fill in last time while uh, Daryl and Chubb were off on their um, their man uh, their, their man uh, retreat, um, you know, building building rafts. And well, we weren't together. Not trees. No, you were on separate man retreats. Yeah. I mean, the one Daryl was on where you know, it was you know, all about building rafts and, and, and trees and stuff more as uh-huh. was... lots of pinks there. Mine mine was it was a trip 
to uh, Arby's to, land. to enjoy the meat <laughs> to enjoy the meat mountain sandwich with a salad. That's lots of yeah. curly. Now stuff. there you oh yes with some Arby sauce. Yes. But uh, no, I was in Pittsburgh on a uh, business trip. So, but while there, thanks to my esteemed co-host and boss on the podcast here, I'm the boss. I had some of the best food I've had in a long, long time. Oh, yes, spaghetti. There was there was pasta. There was eggplant parm. Did you put it all in your mouth? Oh, it was. Oh, it was. Give him a nice, nice big plug. It's uh, Chef Claudio in Pittsburgh. Like oh. Claudio, Claudio's in the South Hills. He's, he's, he and his brother came here from the Abruzzi part of Italy when they were teenagers. Oh. So, like, he learned to cook there, and then him and his brother brought it over here, and then they had their own place in the South Side for years. But um, his brother's health wasn't good, so Claudio opened a place of his own, and it's the real deal, man. It doesn't get more Italian than that. So. I mean, they got crazy. I will tell you this, as good as the food was there's just him sitting there telling us stories of the of italy and when he came over and all that other stuff and also he's been a chef to the stars and how he almost got in a fight with gene clyde van damme once and he, he was it was entertaining it was fantastic so and he just kept bringing us food he kept telling his son oh go uh this and uh here eat it was great it was fantastic yeah i worked for him for a few years he's a great chef but uh, hey, first tangent of the show, awesome. Uh, let's let's we got some big DC TV news uh, that big just too. popped this week. Uh, we got the first picture of a Keenan Lonsdale uh, suited up as the Kid Flash, and the suit it looks like half thong suit, half Barry suit in a weird way. Yeah, I mean it looks reverse flashes flashes except for the stripes going the right way, but. I want to follow up on the pre-show discussion we started to have and then saved for this. And earlier you were about to say that. Okay. Uh, well, the the other cool photo we got, other than Kid Flash, is him walking around with uh, a guy who looks very much like the Black Flash. That's what I think he is. From uh, from the comics. And it's an all-black uniform with mm-hmm. uh, some red lightning bolts on top Wait, of it. I need to go to our Facebook page. I it's missed on, it. It's on the DCTV Podcast Facebook page. Yeah, they're walking together. They're walking together. There's a picture of uh, of Keenan as, as Wally. And then... So now your comment makes more sense, Daryl, about it. Yes. it might be right. You, oh, you thought I meant black, black, class? <laughs> black kid flash. See, I see no, the I meant... one... I see the one you posted, Jim, and then... Mm-hmm. It's a repost from Ziggo. It's on the yeah. site. Keep strolling down. Keep scrolling down. Keep going, buddy. They're walking together. It's right, right, right before the picture of Stephen Amell without his shirt on, which I'm sure you like. Oh. Wait, where? Wait, huh? I wait, I wait past that. He's got, he's got quite the... He's got quite the... Oh, actually, it says attachment unavailable. The one where no. you said black flash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It oh, you can't see. Oh, because he, he's not friends with Ziggo. That's probably what it was. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, I missed. Oh, that's your mistake. Because Ziggo's awesome. He's working on the Daredevil Netflix show now. Well, is he somebody I should friend? Everyone should. He's great. But anyway, there's a picture of uh, of uh, Keenan Lonsdale's Wally West walking next to you, a gentleman who looks a lot like the Black Flash. And who is the Black Flash? You may ask. Who is it, Daryl? Well, that is. Well, actually, that's the flash where you see that death when a death to a speedster comes. 
Mm-hmm. Oh. He's the one who uh, carries them off into the afterlife. So we'll we'll see. Maybe there's some a culling will happen. I don't know. I guess a lot yeah. more is falling out of uh, Flashpoint than we thought. Mm-hmm. Don't Seen know. Black Flash's matter. Flash, or seeing Kid Flash's costume after the introduction of Reverse Flash is kind of odd, though. It kind of seems like he's almost paying homage to Reverse Flash. I don't know. Just it just seems like he would have made a different costume choice if. You know, knowing that that's what Reverse Flash wore. That's exactly what I was thinking, Q. Like, I mean, I realize traditionally the Kid Flash costume is that color. But, yeah. like, but like, it seems after the story that they've had in the TV show, almost like he's paying, like, like you said, like a homage to, uh, to Thawne. Well, considering he, they never make their own costumes, this has all got to be on Cisco. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. So maybe he what maybe what he did was maybe they didn't have all the material to make another costume and he took pieces of it to make this that one makes from sense. the old co- from uh, Zoom's costume because remember they still have it mm-hmm. oh, yeah. so they just used the material that, that, that could be the explanation I mean we don't know the it's the we don't story know how of the kid brother getting the hand me downs well we don't <laughs> we don't know story. what. We don't know what's left of Star Labs. Like, do they have money? Do they have resources? They could be in trouble, in peril, or, you know, like, and they have to use tech tech that they have left over. So. I guess so. Who knows, plus, what, who knows what's going to be after Flashpoint? Oh, yeah. And plus, he stops. Uh, he stopped him early on. So they might not be adventures of the, him terrorizing the group. Only Barry would remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because of Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. So it would be a whole... If they come up with a thing where if they keep to... I mean, Flashpoint, All Fla- I think all Flashpoint is is just saying, like Flashpoint in the comic, continuity is screwed up. It's totally different. So they could it could come up that maybe Kid Flash is, is out in the world before there is revealed that there was a, a reverse Flash. Could be. I, I mean... I, that Flashpoint was going to be like their excuse to work Supergirl's show into the CW. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, that's kind of... My theory, that's part of it. Yeah. I think it's pieces they can fix. They can fix a lot of things, I think, by using Flashpoint. Can they erase the flashbacks on Arrow with Flashpoint? That's what I meant. (laughs) It's not happening. You know, uh, not, not uh, something that is interesting that seems to be a byproduct of Flash uh, Flashpoint. Uh, John Barrowman is going to be a series regular across all of the CW superhero shows. Oh yeah, yeah I don't know how I feel sense. about that. Yeah, I, don't... I I I'm a big fan of. Um, I'm drawing a blank, but Captain John Barrowman. Okay. John Barrowman. <laughs> I, I I really am, but I'll just say his name. But... Yeah, to, yeah, to me. Sugar to me, cookies. his character has kind of outlived, just kind of outlived its usefulness. It's he's well, kind of sticking I out wonder, like a sword. Well, and I, I wonder, like his character. I don't really want him to go, but at the same time, for the story, he's just kind of dragging things down. Well, I wonder if he will become because remember in the beginning he was kind of Lex Luthor of the universe. True, true. He was a business guy. Oh yeah, Shit. true. So I wonder if all said and done, especially with maybe little quirks that might happen because of Flashpoint, whatever, that he fixes his reputation or they don't ever know that he did what he did. And yeah, he becomes be. the, the court. He, he, he runs a big corporation that they have to deal with him. He's one of the 
he's doing side villainy stuff, you know, behind the scenes. He's he's, he's probably doing evil stuff, but you know, on yeah, paper. He was, I don't know. In the last season of Arrow, he was almost becoming like a Doctor Evil kind of parody of himself. Totally was. Yeah. So I mean, he almost reminded me of like uh, Robert Wagner's character in the Austin Powers movies. With the iPad back, and like one he had arm. Fatherly moments of fear. Yeah. Well, after season so, one, like if they had kept him the way he was in season one, right. Like, he was more of the legit business dude. Yeah. Everything right. happened. You know, like if they can get rid of that whole thing of he was the reason why all hundreds of hey. people were killed. Flashback, dude. Yeah. Or Flashpoint, you know. I, I mean, mean, Flashpoint, they can fix that. Yeah. I mean, they could make him like an ally of Maxwell Lord if they end up folding the Supergirl into the, you know, Supergirl universe into the CW universe. Almost that. Yeah, you know, they would, they would yeah. be like, you know, I could see where they would be like partners in, in, in crime, literally. Um, It'll be interesting to see what his new role is. Like I said, I'm glad they're doing something with him other than making him like a like an Austin Powers character or whatever. He's kind yeah, of you got LexCorp, you got Max, Maxwell Lord. Uh, you know, they could kind of do a lot of damage that they would have to deal with or manipulate a lot of things behind the scenes. Something else interesting going on at the CW. Um, they're streaming all of Constantine. On their web, on their websites, oh, yeah. CW Seed. Yes, they are. Oh, the, the every I know, it's so cool. I know, <laughs> I know. But um, yeah, all the episodes constitute. If you missed it the first time, well worth watching. I really like that show. Right, right. It really hit its stride like near the end there. We covered all the episodes when they came out on the podcast. Do you think that we are leaning towards him being more involved in the CW? I would love to see him as a regular on Legends. Oh yeah, that would well, be really you- interesting. Can we get in a little bit of the, what they reveal about Legends too? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, they uh, one of the uh, the showrunners on Legends have kind of revealed that they're going to try to make it more episodic as opposed to a long form story of them fighting one person, one villain. I think that's smart. So in, yeah, I think that's the, if any show should be that way, they definitely should. Be right. That way. I totally agree. I think I even was said that one. Either I or somebody on here said that a while back about that's what they should do. So. Well, that's what we well, thought it was. That's that was one of our yeah. gripes with the show is that they just kept dragging the same. It was the same villain over and over, confronting him the same way over and over, and not getting right. anywhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it definitely. I mean, I mean, you know, what did Jerry call it? Legends of the Lame? Legends of the Lame. Because <laughs> yes. every time they go against Vandal Savage, they would lose and be lame. Yeah. Losers. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I don't really like the way Rory is portraying um, what's his head. I just said, yeah, sure. I love the beloved character. What's his head? You know, the leader guy. The that, guy. that guy. Come on. Rip Hunter. Oh, Rip Hunter. Rip Hunter. Rip Hunter. Yes, Rip Hunter. But uh, I, I just, his character was, he played him so over the top. Like, yeah, like, continue with him. Dial him down some. He really needs to come well, down. Well, he a tried little. to play him really like James Bondy, cool, but then, he, but he's not. That's not the, not the actor doesn't give off that you exactly. know, that type of uh, vibe. So it's you, you know, Rick, Rick, I mean, the, the way he's written, Rip Hunter is kind of like uh, Nick Fury running through time. That's like, right. You know, doing his thing he does cool stuff he's kind of never tells you what his plan is 
But he has a plan. But he always has a plan. As opposed to know? this rip hunter, just seemed to be like you know making his plan up as he went along. Exactly. He wasn't calm and cool like the one in the comics at all. He was mm-hmm. always on fire, mm-hmm. and it just seemed like he like the Hannibal of the A team, kind of. Mm, Hannibal was always Hannibal always had a bigger plan. Yeah, he had a plan. Right. You know, he had a plan, and then he had a backup plan. And you confident in You never feel confident, confident in Rip, period. No, no you never yeah. do. It seemed like half the half the episodes he was flying by the seat of his pants. You know, just mm-hmm. kind of and they even show his wife being more um, more together and being a better time lord than he was. I mean, not right. time lord, but... It, well, yeah, any time... Time, time master. Time master. Same deal, different universe. Exactly. It's, yeah. I blame it on Flashpoint. And if um if if you weren't uh, totally convinced, Stephen Amell confirmed that Flashpoint is totally going to affect Arrow. Um, okay. That was at the Hero and Villains uh, Fan Fest in New Jersey. They had a whole bunch of the cast there, and oh. uh, Stephen Amell confirmed that Flashpoint is definitely going to have repercussions. Which proves Arrow. my theory, I think. He also said that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, but remember, my theory was that this was their way of fixing problems throughout all the other shows that they might not have liked. Right. I think I really think Arrow's going to go back to its kind of more Batman-y roots. Well, it is. You see the villains that they picked. Right, right. No superpowered villains in that's been cast so far. We're just talking about Chad Coleman being cast as, like, the kingpin of crime or whatever Mm -hmm. in the new season of Arrow last week. Right. We got Wild Um, Dog. Yeah, Emil also said that Oliver and Felicity don't have to be defined by their romance anymore. I'm so over the Olicity stuff, I just don't care. I don't yeah, think they get back together. I don't care. I don't care that it's just the most CW part of that show, and I just don't care. Mm-hmm. And I think they get it. I think that they are, are getting that, too, that people are not happy with it. With them Plus, she has a different destiny. Well, it lessens, um, it lessens Felicity's role. when she Before they got together, and they were... Um, Felicity was on the show. She was a stronger character. I mean, she right. was developing. She was, you know, yeah. becoming a, more confident in her abilities and all that kind of stuff. And then once she got with Oliver, I don't. Their writers seem to have a problem writing women with men in a relationship with a, with a man without yeah. kind of making them both so emotional to the point where they stop being individuals. You know, strong right. individuals or believable. I, I used yeah. to love her. Character in the beginning, but yeah, yeah. they destroyed her. Yeah, I agree with Q. Back when it was, back when it was just Felicity Diggle and Oliver, mm-hmm. I think that, that was like part of the strongest you know arc of the show. Right. But um, yeah, I'm, just think, kinda, I'm over think, the whole Felicity thing. I just wanted to be done. Or, or I mean, it was cool when it was the whole will they or won't they kind of thing, and it was played off to the side and weaved in in logical places, and a lot of it was comedic relief in a way, but. Once they cross that line, you know, toast can never be bred again. No, because you get it's lazy. Kind of classic TV, though. They always, ever since yeah. uh, Moonlighting, it's yeah. Moonlighting. Steel did it. Once Remington ties, you know, got a couple of you know, show went to heck, you know. That's how it always is when they play that, you know, will they, won't they game. Yeah, it's a, I don't know what happened to, I remember back in the day, I mean, for the old, this is for old people TV. Back in the day, like shows like Heart to Heart, for example, they were oh, able to do Heart stuff. To well, the thing is, whether you like it or not, they were able to have a couple yeah. be together the entire series. You know, and they with were still all the able stuff to they reboot, they, someone should reboot Heart to Heart. Can we focus a little bit, Chop? Don't go. Don't go. I'm just saying, that was a Stay great with. show. I get it. Stay with me. 
stay, what was stay the little dog's him. name? No, uh-huh. we're not. We're not going down that road. Yeah. I'm just saying Oscar. they were able to write a couple, yeah. and they're also fighting crime at the same time. Right. So, so I I don't think it's for some reason in TV they seem to not be able to do that anymore. Hey Daryl, quick sidebar: we should start a heart to heart podcast on. No, that. no absolutely point. not. Not <laughs> making not. me watch that thick level white people like no. The no. Wire, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I got barely got through the first episode of The Wire, and I'm sorry it bored me. It did not hook me at all. Uh, Capitan, we need you to bring it home. We need right. you to bring it. Home. Uh, we got some new uh, art from Justice League Action, the new cartoon that's going to be unveiled at San Diego Comic Con. I'm very excited for that. And so is my daughter. New Justice League cartoon is fine with me. Um, Supergirl cool. is being shown on the CW ahead of its new season. Um, they're going to rebroadcast it on the CW before the new season that's coming up this fall. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, anybody who missed it, I mean, you know, it really kind of caught its stride in like the second half of the season, I thought. Um, the Killing Joke uh, had a limit, limited, uh, the new animated version had a limited theatrical release. Uh, it broke records on how many tickets it sold, and now it's going to be added to 300 more theaters. I bet. Oh, damn. So, pretty pretty cool. I'm, I'm, interested, I'm interested to see that, of course. Um, we also got now, some... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Since they are going to have a theatrical release now, that could make... That qualifies it for an Academy Award, right? Yeah, technically, I guess. Uh, you know it's not, though, right? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they have the animated category. I'm just saying... I'm not saying that it's worth it because I haven't seen it yet, but as classic as that story is, just saying. I don't know. They tend to go more of the uh, the Pixar and that that type of mm-hmm. animation. I, as I mentioned, we have a shirtless picture of Stephen Amell uh, training for uh, episode or season five. Yeah, he's ripped hard more Gary, than he was man, before. Man, he's yes, he he looks a bulkier too. It looks bulkier too. Like he, he added some pounds. It looks diesel for real. Yeah. 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 He looked diesel. Weight gaining. Yeah. I, I swear he looked at Batman versus Superman and was like, I can't be looking like this right now. I got, I got to get it together. And uh, Floriana Lima is going to be playing Maggie Sawyer on Supergirl. Yes. Which is a great character from the DCU. Love her. Um, she and was what also- do we say? Not enough women characters that are like regular cast members. And Garrow needs that too. Yeah. See, I wish I wish Arrow would take a page out of Supergirl because Supergirl has a lot of good female characters, you know. Mm-hmm. I like, but the... I mean, not in her circle. I, I like a mature okay. woman who's not exactly everybody can't be her friends. Like, it get to a point now in Supergirl where it's like the whole room. It's now Supergirl entourage. Yeah, it's the, you don't want to get it to be too many people. You need to. Well, and they're getting dangerously close to that on the Flash too. You know. Yeah, and they all know the secret. So, so when Maggie, what? I said definitely Team Arrow, Team Flash. Yeah. You you need to keep it like the four maybe uh, that know her secrets. I'm talking about like because four is a fantastic superhero group. Really. So it's good that it's it's good to have Maggie, especially now that we know that they're going to have the science police, which is great. That's a, a Superman, Supergirl, uh, straight out the comic book type of thing to have, and it it also helps that you have her there 
that's a police officer to kind of be helpful. Probably, she probably will be annoyed at Supergirl in the beginning because they always write them like that. And then eventually she'll she'll be an ally, but it'd be kind of cool. There's more stories you can do when you have that as opposed to just having her flying around doing her thing and then you see a cop or two get beat up every now and then and that's it. Like It would make sense to have some sort of police presence on the show for yeah. sure. And specializes for in that sure. And alien threats, as opposed to everything being D D O A. Okay. Now I know we I know we kind of touched on this before, but with the whole uh, you know Superman's been cast, mm-hmm. what do we have any new ideas on what they're going to be doing with him? I'm thinking not much. Yeah, just I'm doing his thing. I think they might have him as a cameo, or just like show up for maybe the season finale, mm-hmm. or. You know, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think he's gonna be a regular on the show or anything. I think they're gonna have a a thing where this Superman will have adventure with her, and then he has to leave either because he gets kidnapped, and throughout the season she doesn't know where he is, and then he comes back later on in the season. Or I mean, she like, might have she, to I cover. Think, she might have to cover for him. Yeah, I think and keep it secret that he's gone, so nobody freaks out. Mm-hmm. So I totally yeah. think that. Yeah, I totally I mean, we've think seen you, that happen in the comics it. before for sure. Has yeah. John Jones pose as him? Yeah. Well, that's happened gone. before. That's happened yeah. before. So I, I cool. totally think that he's gone, that somehow he's going to either be kidnapped or maybe leave to go into space. Maybe leave to whatever that pod is or whatever Whatever happens. They have to leave to go out to do something, and he, yeah. he's left the cover. And he, you know. Yeah. Who Who's the new villain on uh, Supergirl now? Now that she's on CW. We don't know yet. They haven't really announced any new villains yet. There have been mums on that. Mums the word on that right now. Probably I, San Diego, I bet you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, oh yeah, they're having a big yeah. presence in San Diego. Yeah. Also, I mean, there were a lot of villains left over from the first season. I mean, the whole White Martian thing never got resolved. <laughs> the Kryptonian thing only got kind of like half resolved, if you really think about it. At the end of yeah, they disappeared without explanation. Right. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, there are a lot of, like, fun, I mean, Maxwell Lord is still, like, not, mm. you know, on the up and up, and he has that Kryptonian power source now. Right, right. Plus, he's made an alliance with General Lane, so there's all that going on, you know, as a storyline going forward, which I'm sure will not be favorable for Supergirl, so. No. Badness. Yeah. Good show, though. Yeah. Indeed. It's joyful. October. October. Flash has me nervous with the whole Black Speed yeah, the whole Flashpoint thing is making me nervous too, Key. I'm really wondering how that's going to play out and if it's going to annoy me or not. Because I really, I was Breathe. not, a, I was not we'll a huge. It. <laughs> I'm just not a huge <laughs> fan of the Flashpoint comics. So. You know, I, I wasn't either, repeat. but I recently reread the whole thing, all the ancillaries and everything, and it mm. it was better than I remember. I had a good time rereading it. Yeah. Well, the comments that they've made that actors have made so far i don't think they're repeating because there's no way you can repeat the comic they don't have an aquaman they don't have a, a wonder woman like you can't do the Atlant- they don't have money for the atlantean versus but they the, could uh, do a version of yeah that's what i'm saying is i, I hope their version of it, i don't find their version of it as annoying as i found the comic i think the they're <laughs> i kind of think their version is just going to be different things are happening like allies that they had or not allies anymore maybe a couple of villains that or people we remember because like um the pie piper right uh, when he went back before that changed it now he's an ally right. you know he'll, he can work with the flash now um 
Maybe Wally will automatically be Wally when he comes back. He's already taught him. And if the cops don't come and... Q, flush it. Flush it, Q. This happened last time Q was on, too. Hold <laughs> oh, on, man. Exactly you want to talk. But I mean, you know, get you, certain, like, flips of, of things can happen. Like, Barry just has to there are certain things that have happened because of what he did that changes his situation. There are obviously like dozens of different ways they could go with it. I'm just worried. (laughs) Oh, we also have uh, the guy from uh, Harry Potter. He will be playing a police officer. Um, That's right. We talked about that in the last episode. So that could be, you know, we don't know what his deal will be with Barry. That could be an issue too. Okay. Okay, I think that's all the stuff we have in the news bucket, pretty much. Let's move on to Preacher. Last thing, though. Oh, what's that? <laughs> there was a rumor that popped up recently about Green Lantern. Uh, Green Lantern on Arrow? Nobody saw that? It always comes up because they use that jacket. You're talking about yeah. when they use that jacket oh, at the yeah. bar? Yeah, yeah, that was yep. part of it. Yeah, so that always comes back every season. You seem to get mention of that. Because of the jacket that was, was the, an Easter egg, man. Yeah, it was an Easter egg and, and his flashback. So that's probably. Oh, if it's a flashback, I probably blocked it out because I hate the flashbacks. Well, you just <laughs> saw a jacket. You saw um. Right, it said H. Jordan or something. Yeah, yeah. During the flashback. Okay, the first episode of Preacher we're going to talk about is called uh, Sundowner, and wow. This is the most preachery episode of Preacher yet. Um, this is where I felt like I finally was satisfied, was this episode. Uh, it starts out in the diner, and Jesse is wording the, the Heavenly Cowboys uh, about the you know what's going on inside him. And, man, he uh, they spill the beans in a big way. In the middle of this endless war between heaven and hell, an angel and a demon fell in love. And the result of this forbidden pairing is an entity called Genesis. Uh, Jim, did they explain it all like that in the comic? Like all in way the later, like way later, and they no, okay. they didn't just drop it all out like exposition. Like no, that. there were hints like, to it. And it, took, it he, yeah, he went on a whole quest to find out what it was. Right, and then he finally figured. You know, he finally, through the help of all these different things, got to this place and fit in, found the actual angel that copulated with the demon and was actually the father of Genesis. And he was, you know, told the story, but it was until much later in the, in the series. And it was only after a long arduous journey that he, I, he learned it. it I do like Killjoy's uh, uh, explanation when said, when Jesse asks about it being a, a demon angel baby, he says, if by baby, you mean the most <laughs> powerful <laughs> entity ever known, the singular force that would shift the balance of power, threaten all of creation. Then yeah, it's a baby. <laughs> I love that. Well, it it feels like because the storytelling was so slow in the beginning of the season that it's like they had to fast forward and put in this conversation to explain everything to 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 get us back in. That's what it felt like to me when I was watching this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm never a big fan of the expository info dump like that. I'd rather just learn. Yeah, like Mark Twain said, you could say the fat lady sang, but it'd be more effective just to bring the fat lady at. That lady out and have her say. Right. So why do yeah. we have to go body shaming now, Jerry? Come on. It's Mark Twain. I'm quoting. You talk to Mr. Twain. 
I know. Well, Samuel Clemens. I know. The uh, the angels they're um, trying to get the uh, Genesis thing back. And no, this isn't the Genesis from uh, Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan, by the way. And it's not the band from the eighties. And it's not this. And it's not the Sega console either. It's totally different. So um, it's the you know biblical what, I beginning. To, I have to ask: Did anybody miss the eye tattoos and the mohawks? So Jesse's trying to figure out what the hell is going on, and the um, these angels they go out of the diner and they follow this soccer mom out of the diner, and they follow her into the parking lot and they start to beat the hell out of her. <laughs> and um, I love that scene. And yeah, Jesse runs out to pull the guys off of her, and she attacks him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out that she's a um, an angel, and uh, Jesse's like, "Goddamn angels." <laughs> Angel in the set of fold. Anyway, the woman's a seraphim. She's an order loving angel, the first order, and uh, she runs and she just continually respawns. It's almost like having you know infinite respawn on a video game. Oh yeah. There's no way to kill her. Like you kill her and she will come right back. Somebody used a cheat code. I guess. So um, the the um, the angels explain that uh, the, the soccer mom seraphim is after them because they're on an unsanctioned mission. Uh, we even see the heavenly wanted poster for them uh, to recapture Genesis before anyone realizes it is it escaped. And uh, most of heaven and hell don't even know Genesis exists because the leadership agreed to keep it a secret. Uh, in, you know, in case it became like a, a crux of the war. Before they convince Jesse to turn Genesis over to them, the soccer mom jumps and bursts into the room and shoots the angels, and uh, Jesse stays totally cool when she pulls a gun on him, waiting until he sees his chance to attack, and then he uh, his punches don't hurt her, but hers are hurting him big time. The one angel respawns and gets killed again, and that gives Jesse time to grab a knife from this giant bag of weapons. There's like a hammer and a chainsaw and... All kinds of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, he slits the soccer mom's throat. The one angel kills the other angel, so he'll respond to because he was just wounded. And then uh, sometimes it happens immediately, but not always. So, right. soccer mom comes back through the paneling, <laughs> and uh, the one angel screams at Jesse to restrain her, but don't kill her. He accidentally kills her, and she responds. And then uh, we pan back to watch the chaotic fight through a hole in the wall. And there's like this big pileup of bodies. The angels respawn. Now this feels like, I'm coming from not having read the source material, but this part of the parts that feel like, um, it's probably more like the comic than most. Yes. That has Garth Ennis written all over it. It kind of gave off that vibe like, oh, I can see this being something. That's why I was saying this is probably the preacheriest episode of Preacher so far. This isn't directly out of the comic. How preacher but was it? It was as preachery as, as I could I, I would hope for. <laughs> this isn't directly out of the comic, but this has the flavor of the comic very much so. Exactly. So the soccer mom's almost restrained, but she's holding a knife to Jesse's throat, and then Jack Cassidy walks in, and he picks up a gun and shoots her in the head. And everybody's like, "Ah!" So you get it done. And then she responds, and they start again. Um, Peter Dunn. The, um, in, the, in the middle of this destroyed hotel room, uh, Jesse uh, 
All right, uh, Fury disarticulates her, uh, so she's alive but immobile. Um, it works. <laughs> kind of gross. Um, Jesse asks the angels how it escaped and why it chose him, but they don't have any answers. So Jesse says he's keeping it. And if God wants it, he can come down to Earth and take it. And Jesse walks out, leaving this huge pile of bodies behind him. And the one angel warns him about unwelcome and unforeseen consequences. But Jesse words them to stay away from him. And the other angel says, of course, there's the other option. But uh, that they don't say anything else about that. They just mention it, and then they, um, Jesse leaves. Um, next scene, Tulip bursts into Emily's house, telling her to stay away from her boyfriend. Uh, Tulip throws an ugly figurine and storms out. And then uh, Emily follows her and says, you broke my kid's art thing. That was weird. Yeah, so it's it's very weird. off to me. It's, no, it's, it's not. If you're a mom, it's... that means something. No, like, no, 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 not the, not that part. Rewind it back. It feels weird for Tulip to do what she did. It's, it seemed weird to me. It yeah. came off as not the way that they established this character. It seemed no. When you just, no, she's never seen doing crafts with kids before, though. This is not the first. No, time. no, 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 not about the craft. None of that. I mean, the whole point of her getting so angry to go oh, after yeah. the soccer mom felt like true. that's not something she would have that done. Is true. Yeah, I true. could see if she if her, she caught him kissing right. you know her kissing but the preacher or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. But just to be mad at her just cuz she knows she probably has a crush on the preacher and the preacher hadn't reciprocated at all about it. Like it just and seemed not Hmm? And she and knowing that she banged the vampire yeah, well, even with that, I mean, I could see even if she did have sex with the vampire, not because she really cared about the vampire, but she wants Jesse. But I could see her doing that, and and if she caught Jesse with someone else, being angry at the person she he was with, but there was no connection between Jesse and this this woman. So for her to come at her like that, it just seemed not becoming of her character that they've established in the show so far, or in the comic. She she's very different in the from the comic, you know, the way that she's played in the show. Agreed, very much so. It it's felt like, like they wanted us same character. Yeah, it, it felt like they did that because they wanted us to know that she lost a child. And she mentions that in the scene, um, while she's doing okay. arts and crafts, she says, "I had a kid once. Does that count?" Right. That's the first we've heard of that, as far as I can tell, in the series. It's like they wanted to get to that point. Like, they wanted to show her being really petty and angry, and we would go against her. Like, we would be like, she's being a jerk. But then they wanted to pull on her heartstrings to have it that yeah. she lost the child. Now we understand why she's, you know, kind of the way she is. Like, that, the sadness and anger in her. The church, Jesse and Cass are trying to clean up all the blood. Jesse offers Cass a beer, and they sit in the... Uh, they talk a little bit and Cass uh, compliments him on his tattoo. And Jesse says, that's my tulip. Which, I guess, when Cass and Tulip hooked up, they never knew each other's names? Mm. Well, sometimes you just don't need a name. No, that's true. Names yeah. are overrated. Okay. <laughs> just just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, <laughs> Jesse's got some scars. A lot of scars on his back, too. Um <laughs> Um, but now that he knows about Genesis, Jesse plans to carry on as he always has. And uh, he puts a loudspeaker on the outside of the church, um, even though Cass warns him it's a mistake. 
And as Jesse's setting up for his church service, uh, Miles the mayor shows up. The uh, Green Acres Home Office people got killed in the last episode. Um, the Home Office... Uh, in my, home Office... Says, I, I hear that's the place to be. Yeah. Farm living. Right. That's the life for me. Um, Quinn Cannon shotgun them all. Right. And Miles Tulip arrives with church stuff. She's put in the storage room in Cassidy Corners there and teasing that um, she just couldn't stay away. And then he hears Jesse calling her name and he's like... You're his tulip, and uh, she pushes him away with a was it like a golf club, like a mini golf club or something? All right. Yeah, it was a golf club. Uh, Jesse finds her and casts it behind the door. Tulip tries to get Jesse to admit he kept the club for sentimental reasons. He denies it, so I guess there's going to be a story there eventually, mini golf story. Um, I don't know, just the 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 uh, the um the love triangle here. It, it went down very differently in the book. You know what I mean? Like, okay. they did not even hook up. Like, Cassie and Tulip didn't hook up until they both thought Jesse was dead. And yeah. Then, like, it, and it's, like, way into, like, the third trade. Or even for I thought it was even further. Yeah. But I know they both think Jesse is, like, dead, and that's the only reason they hook up is because they both miss him. And well, they, even their hookup felt kind of... I mean, it, it's funny how the parts that... Since I have not read any of this, it's funny how... I still have the same reactions of feeling like it's something's off on the part right. where they've changed things from the mm-hmm. comic. Like it's, it's really like I'm really feeling it now in these in these last few episodes. Yeah. Then I have well, and you're I I mean, in the beginning. You're somewhat of an expert on comics too, so that, that ah, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say so that form of, well, form, form of storytelling, you're familiar with it, so you're going to recognize it. And, I mean, you've read Garth Ennis before, right? Other yeah. things? Yes, so, I mean, you get kind of an idea of his world-building technique and stuff. So, Well, even and, with just TV in general, it, it just felt like, it just feels like when you establish these characters, you, you spent a lot of time in the first few episodes and that's the problem where i get it now where the problem is of having it everything set in this town for so long is you establish these characters in a certain way and now you're already trying to flip it but you haven't done anything with them to explain the flip yeah because i mean he he's already left town by the end of the first issue i think if not the second issue i mean the whole story this is all happening before where the comic story kicks off, but they're bringing in elements from the future part of the comic story, you know, and bringing it closer to where we're at now. So it's kind of weird because it's kind of like watching a weird prequel to the comic. Yeah, the um, it's it's interesting to see how different it is from the comic and how, I mean, in the comic uh, there wasn't, I mean, there was a lot of dialogue and stuff, but there was. The, the, the info dump at the beginning of this episode really kind of bugged me. Yes. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it took a long, it took them a long time to uh, to figure out all that stuff in the comic. I didn't want to know. And then yeah. to just have it all just told in like the first five or ten minutes of this episode, I just thought it was kind of like cheap. You know? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want. It felt like you're just giving uh, me exposition because you think I'm losing. Yeah. I, I'm, but hopefully, I'm losing interest. Hopefully something down the road here will pay off for that reason. Who knows? But yeah, it was. Right. 
but I still felt like I finally was watching Preacher like what I expected with this episode. So, yeah, I see that point, but at the same time, I'm kind of excited because I felt like they spun the wheels a little too long in areas of the season up to date. Um, while this is going on, uh, Eugene is having a very surprising day at school. A kid sits alone in the hallway. Kids ask to sit with him at the cafeteria. Um, he gets, uh, his kids tell him to come see something cool in the, uh, after school. He follows him into a tunnel and he kind of thinks it's going to be a trap where he's going to get beaten up. But it turns out to be fireworks. And, um, now it's Sunday morning and, uh, Jesse's nervous because there's a lot of people showing up. And, uh, he says to Emily, you and Tulip done a great job setting this up, and um, Emily agrees, and she looks like she's going to go scream into a pillow after she talks to him. Um, Eugene t- walks up to Jesse and tells him, asks him to take Mrs. Loach's forgiveness back. He doesn't think God wants him to be forgiven this way. It's cheating. But Jesse doesn't agree with him and says what he's done for him is God's will. Just like it's God's will, they saves the whole town says that Jesse has got his voice in his head and his own desires battling out in his head. He reminds Eugene that he's the town's preacher and it's his job to make them see the light. And then Jesse's had enough and then snarls at Eugene to go to hell. And then there's this burst of noise and Jesse turns around and Eugene is gone. Yeah. Yeah, that can't be. They already showed when they were testing the limits of the power that... You can't make somebody do something they couldn't normally do. Right. You can't, they can't make somebody fly. They can't do. fly. They can't exactly. do something. Yeah. They can't do something right. they couldn't physically do. So right. that was kind of. Yeah. When that happened, it was kind of. Eh. First, it was okay. You're already breaking the rules you just established because you did the info f- uh, th- uh, dump earlier on, and then it's also I was rooting for this guy, and now you maybe not like this guy anymore. And they go from this to a shot of a burned body, and it's the mayor trying to dispose of the, um, the Green Acres guys by making it look like they died in a fiery car wreck. And that's that episode of Preacher Sundowner. I don't remember him ever going that far in the book. I could uh, be wrong, but that I was another thing in the book. He barely ever used the voice. Like he, it was only on rare occasions he would use the voice. And then, like, when he when first he did, discovered it was, is when he used it the most, when he was testing it out. Because beyond that, it was a rare, rare occasion. And when he did, it was a huge deal in the book, usually. You know, it was, like, something major, you know. Well, it feels like, again, and I, you know, like, I'm not going by the comic, but it feels like the way they established his character for so long in the first episode that he feels like a person that wouldn't want to abuse that ability. In fact, he wouldn't want to even use it. But he'd be forced to, just like he was forced to fight. He has skills to fight, and he didn't want to fight. And he was forced to do that. So it's kind of, okay. you know, like they set him up as the guy, the, the Wolverine, you know, like the, the Wolverine or the guy in Clint East, you know, Unforgiven, where I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm just going to live a simple life. And we all watch him constantly get hit with things to make him to make him go back to that. And we, I think it's it just happened so soon. Yeah. Remember that, that one, Die Hard, where he was on vacation, you know? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I, I also want to 
just point out, you know, and I'm sure you feel this way too, Jim, is we're not, we're not, you know, saying we don't want to be those, well, it's not like the comic and so we don't like it. It's, I, I like it. I, I don't want to establish that, you know, well, I wanted exactly the comic, but I did want the feel of the comic. And I think we finally got, like, got it in this episode, like Jim said earlier, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, at this point of when they were still filming the season, had they gotten the nod, you know, they hadn't gotten the nod for a second season yet, I don't think, because I think that just happened. So maybe they're, maybe they were advancing it a little bit for just in case there wasn't going to be a season two. I don't know. Uh, all I do know is that I, I, I like the comic, and I'm, I didn't expect this to be like a literal word-for-word, word, you know, note-for-note, shape-for-shape translation of the comic. And what it is does have some of the flavor of Preacher, but I'm still not 100% sold on it. And I've been trying, I really yeah. have been wanting to like it a lot more than I am actually liking it. Uh, yeah, and, and that's, that's how I... And my thing is, I'm coming at it from somebody who hadn't even read the book. I don't right. know. like it's So it's, it's not even... That I wanted to be the comic because I don't even know what the comic was like, but it just know that the problems that I've had with the show so far, and every time I say the problem, you I, you answer with it. It's different from right. the books, so it's kind of coinciding with. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I just um, I I I, I didn't want I don't want it to be just like the books, and I'm not downing it for being something different. Mm-hmm. But you know, but what it is is not 100% selling me, right? You know, and I feel like the storytelling had more of a chance to breathe in the books. It was more of a gradual thing. Um, Renee made a really good point at our Heroes Con episode about how the the main part, the main crux of Preacher was that it was a road trip story mm-hmm. that like yeah. American yes. trip yep. trip through America and keeping all the action in this one town. So far in the whole, you know first season, I don't think it's been a good move. Um, I really want to like it more than I do. And so. are we getting 10 or 13 episodes? Sure. No, I think it's 10 for the first I'm just year. Saying, I'm just saying, if it's smart, it, it, it will get to the point of it's launching the road trip at the end of the season. See, but the thing is... And then is, we get going on that next season. You know, and yes, they've already kind of, you know, let the the animals loose you know everything's kind of already been you know brought to the surface uh much faster than it should have been um I just, uh, t- excuse I just, me it is 10 episodes yeah okay cool so i i think that they're probably gonna spend season two doing that road trip so that's yeah, my but, hope but the thing is yeah but the thing is if you're going you know going in that you're gonna have this be in town the whole season just about right so that means that you as the showrunners you have to make the town interesting enough that people won't because it's not just comic readers that are saying okay it's time to get this thing moving right i'm saying it i'm bored with this town already and i don't even know the comic (laughs) stuff so they're not they're, they're not doing something that i'm already bored with the people that are here, you've already established the few, and and it's just not enough going on that I care enough to want them to stay in town. I'm ready for them to move. I just want, you know, I, I do want them to leave town because then it we can add something, some other characters to the board, and and do some things with that, right? Because it, it, 
Because Preacher is the one that seems the weakest to me right now. Like, he's just been brooding and, and, and you know, and he's gone from being a brooder and, and reflective every, I, I all the time. I to interesting this episode, though. This he's is turning almost psycho. become interesting. Like, he's just so stoic that if you're going to have him be the stoic one out of the group, that means you gotta you gotta have other people doing more stuff. It, it just can't be with him because you know you're, how you're gonna play him. So and doesn't it feel like there's a lot of filler throwaway scenes that kind of you know divide that each each of the three acts of each episode? Like just little scenes like where it's was that really necessary for the story at well, all? Well, they're trying yeah. to they're trying to make that they're trying to create that narrative of the cowboy western type of thing of the characters feeling certain ways and trying to have them act out emotions in and just menial stuff like you know having the camera having them the camera just show them walking to a door longer than usual. Usually there's cuts between. Right things like that but in this show i've noticed that they'll just have them do that or they have the scene go longer knocking on the door coming in getting mad walking back out going to the car uh she comes out goes back to her car knocks on the window like there's an argument with them that's what i'm saying it's just it's just so long too much right they're trying to do it to they're trying to do a lot where people you know what I think they're trying to do what they, they were able to do in Breaking Bad Breaking Bad is special in, a, in its own way and they were able to do things with Breaking Bad like that but this is when you're trying to do like you can tell when a director is trying to do that and it's not coming off right you do that when it makes sense for the story and it doesn't make sense for the story that, to, to do well, such subtle takes on everything and the thing is, is it's only going to work in certain instances. And I don't think Breaking Bad, I don't think uh, Vince Gilligan set out for that exact tone. No, I think he found it. I think he found it through that first season, and that informed him of where to go with it. I don't think that you can start a story off in that environment. Not it's if you something already you build into it. Right. right, not if you come in there planning already to do that with it, to kind of set a, a, a mode or a, a kind of a tone or something. It, it already comes off like you're trying to do it artificially as opposed to the characters need it. Okay. But I, I do have to say that this is probably my favorite episode since the first one. Um, well, un- until this next episode we're about to cover, because I thought it was too. But hmm. next episode is called He Gone, episode seven, season one. It it starts off pretty much right where the last one left. Uh, they kind of focus on where Eugene was standing. I mean, his program is like floating to the floor. Um, you see Sheriff Root like looking next to him, wondering where his son is and stuff. Um, Jesse's rattle, but he goes on with the service. And um, then we get to some flashbacks of 10-year-old Jesse and Tulip uh, sitting outside the principal's office. Thank you, whoever just muted. I really appreciate that. Um, 10-year-old Jesse and Tulip all sit outside, are sitting outside the principal's office. They put three bullies in the infirmary. I guess Tulip bit off one of their nipples. That's a real Rorschach move. Jesse covers for her, and then Papa Custer comes to take them home. Now, they were... 
Now the cops are coming for me. Hold on, guys. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> finally, they heard me. They heard my podcasting. And what you holding? What you holding? Rever- two revolutionaries. This is the first time our podcast got shut down by Coco. The man what is holding over there. Um, they show Jesse kneeling by the bread, saying his prayers, thanking God to take care of his mom, and promising he's trying really, really hard not to be bad. Then we get a whole story about um, Tulip trying to find her drunk uncle's pants. Kind of goes nowhere. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then? And then uh, Cassidy kind of corners Jesse about what happened to Eugene. And then Tulip shows up with uh, some stuff for dinner. And uh, Cass taunts her about not going after Carlos. And he mentions that he didn't tell Jesse that they slept together. And she's like, well, that's good. He'd probably kill you. I don't know, man. Yeah, they, like even that was kind of... It's like it's in her mind, but it's only this episode. Like, where did this come from? Yeah. Because yeah, I don't think he would be mad. I think he'd be like, you slept with him? That, But I don't think... I The way they've shown him, I don't think he'd be mad at her for doing that. Well, were they... Did they have that childhood relationship in the comics? I was trying to remember. I, I don't remember that uh, being no. that way. No, they didn't. I, I, I thought they met... Uh, after the whole thing with his father getting killed. Yeah. They, so. they met when they were growing up in the comic. They were never together oh, as kids. Oh, so why the hell? I don't know. And you know, and again, that's, it I hurts know. me. I know. It I hurt know. me totally. I know I sound like such a big fan for the show. And I don't want to. I don't want to feel like I don't want to sound like a naysayer for the show. But it kind of did feel like when they tried to do that whole thing of them, uh, being together when they were younger and and, and grow, growing up together, whatever, and then separating, it kind of just felt like. Again, it felt like, eh, okay, that's. You don't really show that they seem that connected to each other, though. They don't like preacher's reaction to her doesn't and, feel that. Way. I don't want to sound like that guy again, but in the comic, they're like soulmates. And I don't uh, get that. Like from once this. they hook up, once they hook up in the comic, they're like they're like me, you know, they're like made for each other. They're soulmates and like. I don't get this in the show at all from them. I don't None get. I don't get any proper relationship chemistry between the two of them in the show. You know what? You know what I get from it? It feels like Tulip was a one night stand that he regretted the way that he treats her. Yes. <laughs> like she's a problem for him. Like all through the the way that the narrative is, it doesn't feel like he wants to be with her again. Doesn't feel like. She's a temptation that is hard for him to deal with. It feels like she is nothing more than an annoyance that he wants to be rid of. So it, it makes her feel less than. Like she's made up a love relationship that wasn't there. Like it, it's almost like I'm like, is she remembering things that were, didn't happen? Is she making this stuff up? Mm, the like, way that he plays it? Right. It's like Mr. Robot. Like what's real? Yeah. What's that show? Come it came back. I haven't watched it yet, but it, I've heard from my DVR say nothing. I will kill you. Oh, and <laughs> and look for Chris Kapiniak. Uh, he was from Arts and Crap. He's in that episode. Oh, sweet! Uh-huh. I love that show. Yeah, look for the back of his head. Um, Cass wants to know. Okay, cool. Uh, Cass wants to know why Tulip slept with him. If you know, she's Jesse's girl. I know. I couldn't help but say it. I had to say Jesse's girl at least of once. Of course you did. I, I think I sang it earlier once. Yeah. I literally sang it, yeah. <laughs> like, so wait, that's Jesse's girl. Yeah. Tulip counters, well, yeah, well, have you told him that you're a vampire? <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'd no. rather have Stacy's mom, but yeah. Hey. 
At least he's hadn't said that ass this episode. Yet. You just reminded him. <laughs> so early, and you just reminded him. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Oh, that ass. See? See what you did? See, See? she up. started it. She started it. No, because I heard she Daryl. Missed it. Missed I was it. channeling. Yeah, she was channeling me. You missed it. You know you wanted to say it. <laughs> I'm channeling. They uh, quiz each other about Jesse, and they find out that you know Jesse's favorite actor is John Wayne. Um, Which that is from the comic, and I was waiting for that comic. to come around. So yeah. well, that's him and John Wayne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, his like whole connection to John Wayne in the comic is I, really cool, and I hope that they go and explain that. No, I just throw out song passages every now and then. Uh, fight the Power, yeah. Right. Uh, we cut back to Kid Jesse and Kid Tulip. They're wrestling around, and uh, Tulip overhears uh, Jesse's dad uh, talking on the phone. She climbs into bed with Jesse, wakes him up, and says, To the end of the world, and... He says this part finally after she shakes him. He's like, to the end of the world, and he's asleep and grumpy. The Department of Family Services is there next to take Tulip away, despite Jesse trying to physically stop them. He confronts his dad, who admits he called them because she's in O'Hare, and O'Hare's their trouble. Yikes. That's not very Christian. No. Or is. I mean, that, no, I mean, that is very Christian. They got that big old airport. That night, uh, Jesse prays again for uh, God to kill his dad. And send him straight to hell. And he did. I know. Yeah. You know what's sad is that the child. Well, the thing that you know that really bugs me is that child was a better actor in terms of me thinking he really cares about Tulip than Jesse has been the entire season. Totally agree. One hundred percent. Like I got it. That kid played it well. Like he he showed that he cared about her, and he probably remember that that would haunt him losing her when he but did. that's that's a young younger more innocent jesse we now have the hard life ridden jesse that you can have that though has changed because i i maybe they're maybe they're trying to keep it where he is not interested in tulip anymore but then there's that in his mind you know battle back and forth maybe that's what they're wanting to give us and yeah but there's a way to play but, like yeah, I think they could play it better. I'm just saying, I get what they're doing. I just wish that they were doing less of that. Jesse decides to, uh, or Jesse tries to uh, rehearse the plan. He's kind of a jerk or whatever. Uh, and then Quinn Cannon shows up, Jackie Earl Haley, um, with a deed to transfer the church and land um, per their bet from episode four. Who didn't see that coming? Yeah. Um, Quinn Cannon says he may have come to church, but he's certainly not a Christian. That means Jesse lost. Uh, Jesse refuses to sign, and Quinn Cannon promises he'll be back. He quotes the guys, the Alamo, victory or death, which is kind of foreshadowing for later yeah. as well in the comic. Jesse gets, uh, there's a fire. Emily starts the fire in the oven, and then uh, they, they're able to put it out. Um, and she tells the sheriff that she saw Eugene leave afterwards, so... I guess uh, she, you know, she's lying to cover for Jesse's, sending him to hell. Uh, Jesse says goodbye to the sheriff and gets smacked in the face by a fire extinguisher from Cassidy. He's had it with Jesse, um, lying, and he said, I, I didn't mean to. I said the words, and he was gone. Um, Jesse is kind of washed his hands the whole Eugene thing. And Cass says, you just an innocent kid to be forever poked by piping hot pitchforks. I mean, acting like you give a damn might be a good start, man. 
So uh, we get Eugene's backstory. You know, he loved Tracy Loach, and she rejected him. Instead of sulking, Eugene shot her and then turned the shotgun on himself. So Eugene's not that innocent, Jesse concludes. That is pretty, kind of a brutal assessment, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was like, you know, he's a teenager. I mean, come on. Well, you did, I mean, you know he did something. It's funny, because Assface, uh, Arseface, or whatever, uh... (laughs) Oh, whatever. He's a character. I, I mean, he, he, I like him, and he, 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 the way he plays it, you could tell he did something horrible. Like I thought, I actually in my mind, I'm thinking he must have killed somebody. He must have killed a woman, um, whether it was accidentally or on purpose. But he had to have done it because he keeps telling him that I don't deserve to be forgiven. Like, and he plays this so well. Like you, you, you do wanna, you feel like I do feel like I wanna like him but then i feel like he really well did something and that awful. actor is able to really portray emotion through right. that makeup i right. mean very very well to where you can feel his shame and you can feel his sorrow and and his guilt and you, and you know that he would do anything to make it right again but you know again toast but i could but there are certain things you just can't be forgiven for and that would probably be be my thing it'd be a deal break i probably would I would shun him too, not because of what he looked like. If what he looked like, if he just looked like that because of whatever he was born that way or whatever, that wouldn't be an issue. I'd be homies <coughs> with him. Like he seems like a, a good person. But if the town, if you know this is what he did, he, you know he killed that girl just because she didn't want to be with him and shot yeah, himself in the face. I would probably treat him just like shit too. I I would not yeah. forget that that girl was murdered. You you know. Yeah, but you know ladies be making us crazy. Hey! Um, dead ass. <laughs> no. And that was the Chub Toad Chauvinist moment of the show. <laughs> Brought to you by Menon. Ladies be tripping. That was right around one minute, or one hour, 21 minutes. So That's for, impressive. For your scorecards at home. Mark that That's down. impressive. And I think we're minus one penis joke also at this mark. You keep Somebody telling him this, this, and you know what's coming. What? I'm just you're, marking the... the I'm you're reminding it's him. It's not It's coming. an occasion. Yeah. You're telling Elmer Fudd that he doesn't have to shoot you now. It's I don't get rabbit season. And he no. will shoot you. So Cassidy kind of gets tired of Jesse's crap and puts, wants to put his trusting God to the test. Yeah. He says he's a lazy, lying, self-obsessed, drug-abusing, cheating fornicator with a filthy mouth and no ambition. He tosses Jesse the fire extinguisher, steps into the sun, and immediately bursts into flames. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Mark, next scene no, is Jesse yeah. slamming the extinguisher down at the table and then kind of walking away. Weird. Um, that was two- a real weird way to tell him I'm a vampire. Yeah. I'm- well, that whole scene with Je- the way Jesse responded, like what Cassidy was saying to him, did you? I saw that you just killed that guy. Like, right. sent him now, and he just was like, eh. He was like, eh. What are you talking about? I don't know what right. you're talking about. That was so. That was so weird to me that he reacted that. Like, I get that you're the, the you know the stoic character, but they. I don't know if it, I've seen this actor do better than this, so I don't think it's his fault. I think. Right, the direction yeah. he's given. I don't know why they're playing it to the point where he's he's almost like he's dead inside. It's like uh, this, this ne- the next scene is what really bothered me. 
like mm-hmm. when Tulip comes by, you know, and asks uh-huh. after Cassie or whatever, and then they start fighting. And like just the the, the dialogue, and she's like, he's like, what are you even doing here? Mm-hmm. And it was very clunky. I was just like, man, this this doesn't seem like a, a couple that's been together since they were little no. kids, or a couple you know, until the end of the it, world or whatever. Listen, once you've had sex with somebody and you've been in a relationship, I'm just being real. Let's be real. You had you've had that connection, even if it, you broke up on bad terms. If you're but apparently talking to each changed, other, and uh-huh. his point of view has changed in the yeah, time that they yeah, were apart. Up, yeah, but hold up, Chuck. But even though that's the case, there is still there's still that connection that we've had. Like, there's still that connection that we were intimate many times. No, that's about only in a guy's uh, mind. This is not that's a literally only stand, in a man's but, mind. Nope. Doesn't exist. Yeah, it's not a one night stand type of thing. They were in a relationship and they were intimate. Like, this is a, an yeah. intimate relationship I'm talking about. Not a not mm-hmm. a we were just smashing. Not even and not even that, but like people who are familiar with one another. Like they didn't have like the body language of people that were none of it comfortable around another. They one. Had you know what I mean? None of it. They had none of it. There's just a way that you are because you've had that history with each other. There are things that you bring up with each other that are good moments. Like you tend to go for the good stuff first until the then you bring up the bad stuff and that's when you start arguing. But before that, you bring up the the funny times you've had. You do that. That's your mind is naturally going to try to if you're. You know, you're going to try to bring up all the pleasant things that you you went through before anything else, and you got none of that in this so far. Like, you, not from him. I mean, right. she's done it, but it's like she's doing that to someone that it's like almost like he's never met her before, and it's, he's not very sympathetic at all. You know, at I mean, all. Yeah, I mean, I want to root for him, but he just doesn't. Only when he went to try to help that kid was when I felt sympathetic for him. And even with that, you realize, oh, the mother, they're in a relationship where they do like it. They like to beat on each other. So he's not even saving anybody. So that wasn't even a thing. You took that away. So it's like, yeah, it's just you don't, I don't have a reason to root for him. In fact, I have more of a reason to root for Cassidy. Yeah, he's the one I root. For. He's the one I look for. Like it, when he's not in that room with any of them, I feel it. And in the girl, I yeah. like her. Like the what's her name? The woman that is at church with her, the one that helps him with the church. Emily. I like Emily. Like yeah, I like her a lot. I like Emily. She's funny. She you know and, and she's ballsy. Yes, and, and well, even she and I mean the scene right after that when after Tulip walks out, right. Mm-hmm. Like the scene right after that, Emily's like, you know what? And tells Jesse that she believed in him from the moment he got back. Yeah. And his response is, oh, that was stupid. It's like, motherfucker. That's what, what? You, you always want to say. What? What is wrong? Listen, get your head out your ass right now. It's like, you, what do you want to do? Like, what are you trying to do here? Like, you, you, the only people rooting for you, those are the ones you're shitting on right now. It was her and Eugene. Those are the ones that liked you. So, I, I don't... And Tulip. And you treat all of th- three of them like they're crap. And Cassidy, he saved your ass when, when stuff was happening. He came after you to save you a couple of times. And, yeah. and yet and still, you you treat them like, you know, right. like like it's crap. So, I just, yeah, again, there's no... I've stopped rooting for this dude. I want to root for him. But well, I, he's supposed to be the anti-hero. I don't think you're supposed to root for him, are you? 
Not even well, if you're the even if you're thing. the I don't know even if you're the anti-hero then you should be interesting right. enough that I can't help but root for you even when you're it's, bad. It's, 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 it's kind, it should be kind of the way we rooted for Walter White. It should have that kind of rooting behind it, but it's hard to get behind well, him this way because well, he's just being right. a dead right dead soul dick. Is and you're not charismatic him. enough that even when you are bad. If you're a bad character, which is cool, I can I've rooted for bad characters on TV because they're well, so freaking the interesting. Stringer Bell, that's true. Stringer Bell, because they're, they're so charismatic and Barksdale that you go when when they're on screen, you're like, oh man, it's like I don't, you know, like he I, this guy's a bastard, but I still enjoy watching him in that room with those characters, but with. Jesse, he sucks out the life in the room. I keep thinking of that character Tyrell too from uh, from Mr. Robot. So right, you're so right. Yes. Like, oh, like, yeah. He's like he's like a son of a bitch, but man, he's right. super interesting. But he brings life to the room mm-hmm. as opposed to. And you're interested to see what he's going to do next. When the exactly. character's on the screen, you're like, you don't know what's going to happen next. Exactly. Jesse, so far they've written him to just. He's going to go sulk. Yeah, he's he, he sulk over here, and he's a room killer. Over. He's basically the room killer. It's, it's like very emo. This is a very it's emo like, Jesse Custer. Yeah, yeah. Pretty You get the final flashback of Papa Custer being uh, taken away and beaten with a bat, and you know he gets dragged outside and killed. Um, you see his father's murder again, and hear his father' um, final words: "You know, be one of the good guys because there's way too many of the bad." Custers don't cry; they fight, and then the shots ring out and. Just he cries that he prayed for this and it's his fault. And um, we can then cut to Jesse uh, tearing up the church floorboards and trying to use the word to command Eugene to come back and it doesn't seem to work. And the end of the episode is Queen Cannon on a bulldozer leading an army of meat and power employees, including Donnie in Confederate garb, <laughs> arm in a sling, <laughs> marching toward the church. This next episode is going to start off awesome. I just have a feeling. Good thing you put that loudspeaker in, huh? Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. They changed Art's face, too. The more it bothers me, think about it, the more it bothers me. In the comic, he, he was just you know, tried to kill himself. He was just suicidal. Okay. He was kind of inspired by Kurt Cobain and kind of that, that kind of thing. And then now in the show, he's a murderer. You know? I mean, that shifts the whole way of the character for me. Yeah. And also, I I don't mind. No, and I don't mind them, you Uh, know, altering a character. I mean, that's fine. Adapted in a different place. This is like really a strange way to adapt that character. Yeah, and crunkle your bags even more and eat chips. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Who's doing that? Uh, Jerry. Um, oops. Yeah, it don't was, you don't try to lie. You about to I grabbed lie. pages. I said oops. I didn't you ain't lie. Got to lie. I said Craig. oops. You ain't got to lie, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> and you know this, man. <laughs> the the okay. only character that seemed like it's you know the same the way he was in the book is Cass. Everyone else seems different to me. Yeah, I agree. Some totally different from the from the books. I totally agree with that. I give the show overall a B minus so far. I just, um, they keep hitting moments that are like the comic, and I really, I'm trying to just judge it on its own without comparing it to the comic. Right. Uh, the it's way hard. I did, like, it's tough, but like The Walking Dead or whatever, I just kind of take it as its own thing. 
yeah, yeah, you do have to. I, I, and you got to judge it for what it is, right? Not mm-hmm. exactly what we want it to be. Right. And what I'm going with, what Daryl, yeah, that's what Daryl's going with. So it just shows that, you know, our instincts are 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 pretty spot on. That there's inherent problems with this show that they need to fix. Um, but I want to give it a B minus as well, and I think that that's really giving it a gift because it's probably more of a C, really. But I want to like it so much, I'm I'm gonna go with the B minus too. I say C plus right now. C. Who is out on the road? (laughs) Get out them streets, Craig. (laughs) Are you at a truck stop? You can't be in them streets. Ain't nothing good for you out there. I know. I know. Okay. I got to say a C plus. But but maybe maybe it's because I'm I will admit I'm a bit biased because I love the book. Right. So I will admit you know that that may have something to do with my C minus there. My maybe if I was just totally you know, going by the show alone and was able to unlearn what I knew about the book, maybe I would give it something higher. You know what I mean? But you know, nah, I I just feel like it has potential. Just knowing where it came from, it has potential to be so much better. Yeah, I just like I said, I'm trying my best to just judge it for what it is rather than what I would like it to be or whether it's a good adaptation well, or whatever. And I so, hope they pull a Gotham. I'm, They've been given their second season, so it would be nice, you know, that they learn from this and they come back with awesomeness, you know, like Gotham did. Yeah, and that's what I would hope for, you know. Yeah. Okie doke, let's move on to the Justice League. The Brave and the Bold. Which, Written uh, by the late, great Dwayne McDuffie. And uh, oh. this is a, uh, you know, of course, Brave and the Bold was actually the, the name of the comic the Justice League of America first appeared in. Yeah. Uh, great anthology title. For years it was Batman, like a Batman team-up title as well. But yep. um, Martian Manhunter and Green Arrow and a lot of other guys made their first appearance in Brave and the Bold. So. Oh, yeah. And we get some goofy ape stuff this episode. It's pretty awesome. Um, this is, as Chepto was, uh, mentioned, is written by Dwayne McDuffie and Paul Denny. Um, the team with Rich Fogel on the story, and McDuffie covers the teleplay itself. Um, the episode starts out with archaeologists uh, finding a fossil. Um, and one of them says, this could be the greatest discovery in the history of mankind. And as soon as they say that, a bunch of apes on hover bikes fly out from behind a force field. I hate it when that happens. And then right? they see a futuristic city behind me, and behind them they yell, humans! And then they disappear again. <laughs> Damn it. And then uh, the female archaeologist gets up from the hole and looks up and says, what was that? <laughs> that was funny, though. Um, it's, I think it's cool the writers know how silly the concept Gorilla City is, and they kind of mm-hmm. play with it. You know, they kind of... I mean, there's a scene later where... Um, Flash is trying to explain the gorilla talk or whatever, and uh, John doesn't believe him, and uh, or John Stewart doesn't believe him. He goes, "Hey, we, you know, as Chub said earlier, we both have a Martian on speed dial, you know. Right. You know, give me a little credit here. Um, we cut to the Flash in Central City. He's trying to pick up chicks at the diner, eating like 500 cheeseburgers at the same time. So Wally. Yeah. yeah very Such Wally. Such a crazy scene. Um, 
a car crashes into the diner. He saves the ladies and gets them out of there. Uh, he goes after a truck full of radioactive isotopes from a lab. And, and you get to see I, what I love about this cartoon is there. I forgot how many cutscenes there are. Little things like her saying, "And you didn't want to give him our phone number." Right. When he saves the, <laughs> yeah. the women. Right. There are a lot of that. Like there's a lot of. Uh, as each episode has their own little little bit of comedic little throwaways in there. This is. Now who are they coming for? Oh, Lord, they're coming for the Injustice League. I guess so. <laughs> um, it's cool they had, like, the kind of electric guitar music for The Flash mm-hmm. while, during his action sequence here, chasing down the, the, um, yeah. the truck. Yeah, he's a little rock and roll. Right. One thing I have to say, one complaint that I always have with the show, it never seems like he's moving fast enough to me. I know you think you know a speeding truck in the t- in the Flash TV yeah, show he could like yeah. take it apart you know and take apart the engine before it. Well, that's know, a anyway. that's a problem with TV period. It seems that they, it's been from the cartoon all the way to uh, even the live action superhero shows. They are they always power down? You know they say that they're this powerful, but then they always power them down. Superman is never as strong, right? <laughs> As he's supposed to be, uh, Martian Manhunter again. They, they weakened Mar- Martian Manhunter as well. Collectively, when they, 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 in they, certain episodes. Yes, collectively. Like right. you know, like there's going to be an episode where we'll get to it in the next when we talk about it. But where an Amazon is not stronger than a Kryptonian. That's just the way it is. Like to be able to beat up right. a Kryptonian yeah. like that. That's not well, unless they're enhanced. I'm well, sorry. here's the thing. I, I had a problem with that episode too. She was a foundling. She was not a full blooded Amazon. Why did wow. she have the strength of an Amazon? Because they gave her, they, they, they yeah, yeah, she they said, gave it to her. she uh-huh. said they oh, used, we even, imbued our ma- Amazonian magic on right. her. Even though they, they never explained. Like and they gave her, yeah, the magic. They, yes. they mm-hmm. never explained why she has that. If they had just said that we gave her the girdle of whatever, yeah, that could right. have explained it away. But sometimes, you, they, as we know from behind the scenes stuff when they interviews over the years, they just don't have the time. And they got to just, you know. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, they just police on it, and they just rush through it. And that was one. Definitely, there is some of that, like you know, especially with the Flash. Like he's always stopping and and getting beat up, or when they need him to get beat up, he stops, slow down, says something stupid, or you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. The the, the truck goes off the side of a bridge and is caught by a green sphere. It's the Green Lantern. And they brought in the, the Green Lantern music too um, when they showed him. Uh, yep. Um, very different from the you know the rock and roll Flash score. Yeah, he's the jazz. Right. <laughs> I will say for all of these Justice League episodes, they're scored beautifully and with very appropriate toned music. I that's one of the things I really appreciate about about this cartoon. There's and it's so funny how there are relationships that are. Foreshadowed uh, or established hinted at. or yes, yes, it's so early. Yes. Like I, I didn't realize as you yep. watch it, you used to watch it, but I didn't realize like, oh, you watched the Watchtower alone. Oh, look. Yeah, right. like she seems to oh. be really concerned about him more than the others a little bit, just a little bit more. Not that she's not a, a real teammate, <laughs> but you could you could catch it that they've been trying to establish this. I think yeah. McDuffie had said that he wanted to kind of. Established that relationship between um, Green Green Lantern and, and her and Hawkgirl early on. They wanted yeah. to do that, and they do it like, and they do it in such a good way. Yeah, we mentioned that a lot when we talked about the last episode where they were kind of teamed together. 
uh, mm-hmm. trying to find uh, in War World when they work together to try to find uh, John Jones and Superman. She gives him shit, like in a yeah. way that is play, and that's what I I want. But they're smack. both military people, you know. I mean, they're right. both. Right, that's why that they attracted. Of, they love yeah. order. They love exactly. You know, and they 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 like that type of uh, you know. And and at the same time, they're still both playful too. Like she's very playful with him, and she feels safer with him. They seem to bond more than the others because they are kind of the outsiders. They're the ones that don't have a a a, a life outside of being That's a superhero. True. Wonder Woman kind of is developing her own life, and at the same time, Superman has Lois. So and Wally just dates. He just does his thing. He's a superhero. He loves it. He loves being a superhero so much. It, he doesn't have that issue. But Martian Manhunter, he has the isolation of being a, a an alien and, and not and feeling like he's not connected yet. Right. I, I, okay. I was I have a question about the Wally West in this in the Timverse. Um, how did he get his power? How did he get in touch with the Speed Force? He still got hit with he got hit with the lightning. They kind of blended. Uh, did they? Because. There's yeah. where he has that little flashback in here where you see him having an accident with the chemicals and all that. And I'm like, but this is Wally, not Barry. Because that's Barry's origin. It's they still also kind Wally's of origin in the original. In the yeah, he got days. hit with it, too, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew that there was a version of that, but I wasn't sure if that was the original way or... Because, you know, they've done it different ways. So Yeah, it still okay. got hit with the lightning. I just wish that the people that write Arrow would look at this show kind of right. and see that this is how you establish relationships between characters yeah, yeah. romantic relationships i mean it's like here watch this animated series and learn about real people yeah it's something <laughs> that they, they could do that in an animated show better than they do in the live action show sometimes they yeah. even, a lot of times they even had the first batman wonder woman uh, hint in this one too. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, yeah. He, had to dig her out. he thought he was, he was trying to dig her out of the um the rubble or whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, um, she gives him that little peck on the cowl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the turns out that the person who stole the isotopes is like a renowned scientist. Um, and they they follow up a lead and they're trying to figure out what's going on and then they get a uh, report of a gorilla loose in the uh, in the park. Uh, Flash goes after him, and then he catches him, and then the, uh, you know, he says, get your hands off me, you filthy human. And it's uh, David Ogden Steers. Such a great... Such a great right? uh, it was totally. So, so awesome. It's uh, David Ogden Steers who played uh, Charles Emerson Winchester on MASH, and you know, so many other things. I mean, he's been on Law & Order a bunch of times, uh, as Solovar. Uh, great casting. Um, they go to, the, you know, they... She, he tells him, you know, what's going on? This guy named Grodd, you know, is broken out of Gorilla City and is causing trouble. Um, they go to follow up on that, and they run into uh, Powers Booth as Gorilla Grodd. Great casting there. And Dr. Corwin, we find out later, is like Gorilla Grodd's girlfriend, uh, <laughs> played by Virginia Madsen. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, they, you know, they're trying to follow up, uh, Flash offers Grodd a banana. And, <laughs> and as they're uh, you know trying to, as the Flash is trying to you know fall upon clues or whatever, Corwin hits him, uh, blasts him with a gun, and Grodd is like, I hate bananas. And uh, we get this really cool uh, Flash hallucination scene. Yeah. Um, 
he falls into this trippy hallucination. He becomes a different kind of bunch of different kind of flashes that were all kind of from the Silver Age. Uh, Fat Flash, mm-hmm. Puppet Flash, Big Head Flash. Um, it, it's, it's really, it's, and then finally he turns into a, a giant ape Flash, and um, the hallucination. Mm-hmm. Tells us a lot about the Flash himself, you know, like Fat Flash is kind of Wally's fear of being immobilized, and, you know, Big Head Flash is Wally's arrogance, you know, kind of. Right. And it just grows till his head explodes. So I thought that was pretty cool. Flash wakes up and he's in jail, and he has no idea why. He has no idea why. It turns out he's been mind-controlled by Grodd to steal more stuff. Um, Powers Booth is awesome. He's great as Grodd. Okay. I mentioned that. Oh yeah. I mean, he's awesome, awesome and everything. Okay. And he plays off, um, plays off the Flash character really well. Um, okay. His big plan, Grodd's big plan, I guess, <laughs> and um, the 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 relationship between Virginia Madsen's Doctor Corwin and, and girl like Grodd, you know, Flash is like internet romances, huh? Go figure. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, Grodd makes Central City disappear. Uh, Batman, Wonder Woman, Hawkgirl, and John Jones begin an investigation. It takes them to Gorilla City, but then nope. they're yeah, yeah, and then they um, what was that? Q? No, no, Superman. He wasn't in the this arc at all. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. No, because he's too strong. Yeah, because he already had yeah. John and yeah. Wonder Woman. I guess um, they're captured as spies. Um, Batman breaks out of his shackles, and the first person he frees is Wonder Woman. Um, and Grodd is going to shoot missiles at Gorilla City, and when one, as you mentioned before, Wonder Woman stops the last of the missiles and is crushed in the process. Uh, Batman frantically tries to clear the rubble, mm-hmm. and then John and Hawkgirl make him stop. Nice and, scene. And uh, she ends up digging herself out, and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like you said, giving her, giving her him a little peck. Whatever. It's a quick way of showing, oh, Bruce got a little little thing for the Amazonian. Right. Yeah, and it grows through the, through the as the series goes on. It takes forever for them to even acknowledge it. Like they don't even have that conversation until the uh, the one where they turn her into a a pig, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, with Cersei. Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, so it takes a long time before they even get to that. There are a lot of little things in between. Mm-hmm. Um, Green Lantern is able to stop some of the missiles um, like which said, is funny how they power him to, like everybody gets powered down because if you think about it individually Wonder Woman or yeah. Martian Manhunter or Green Lantern could have cut could have shut them little missiles down on their own you know like he could have just put up a block and, and had them explode over the beach because they were right over water right Done. They, but they, they show John face through one. Mm-hmm. They show Hawk Girl bash one with her mace. Right to give and everybody a moment. They have to give everybody a you know, the heroic moment or whatever exactly. Um, but uh, both Gorilla City and Central City are saved. Uh, the Flash outsmarts Gorilla Grodd <laughs> by rewiring his doohickey, as he says. Uh-huh. <laughs> he doesn't need so. Oh. <laughs> All right. And then. Um, Grodd tries to use his mind control on him and then fries his own brain. And it's the, the whole thing of, oh, we will take good care of him now that he's fried his own brain. And they show Grodd in the cage. And when everyone is out, his eyes get evil and his brow furrows. So, of course, Gorilla Grodd will return. Um, you, you know something uh, I forgot to mention? Remember when uh, Flash 
when he first wakes up in the police station and the character was based off of Bill Duke's character from Minister Society. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not catch that. Yeah, he's like, no, you messed up, don't you? Yeah, when he comes in, he's Bill Dukes. They're all like Bill Dukes. He comes off of it like that, dude. There were a lot of good one-liners in this one I wrote down. Um, Flash takes his coffee with cream and 37 sugars. Yeah. <laughs> um, they no, used really? This... No, really. 37 in the pink. Oh. <laughs> I can't help you feel uh, there. No, See what I've done? I've won. You've corrupted Not saying them, okay? You're like I the Eclipso smell. gem. You've corrupted her. I've yeah. smelled victory. Yeah, that happened. Right. You smell victory, huh? Um, I like how they kept Wally's hyperaccelerated metabolism, like the scene where with all the hot dogs where he dumps them all on Green Lantern and makes him pay. Let's see, oh, stopping my insurance doesn't cover a second driver. That was pretty funny. Um, uh, oh, humans are slow, ugly, immoral, and have an unpleasant body odor. <laughs> to which a flash yeah. says, oh, yeah, well, you're naked. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then finally, Flash, don't heckle the supervillain. Oh, Wally was an idiot. In the yeah, last. He was, he was you make him mad. In this one. He makes you mad. Um, this is great. I, just, I really like this episode a lot. I give it an A. Ditto. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I like okay. fun. It was joyful. Let's just move on now to Fury. Mm-hmm. Making a bit of a feminist statement here. Yes, <laughs> finally. Uh, the- Man's yeah, world is it. terrible. <laughs> I have finally. a question. It is. Just a little bit. I just have an offensive body odor. <laughs> That's what the gorilla <laughs> said. Just when you're in the pink of this thing? I have yeah, a no. question for continuity, though. Uh-huh. Um, Man have... came first. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the episode... Which the, the name I forget, but the one where Wonder Woman goes back to Themyscira and everybody turns to stone. We covered that all the week. You were not here, right? But did did Hawk Girl not? Weren't was she not with them when they all showed up there? Girl wasn't on Paradise Lost. No, she wasn't. I just no. at all. She wasn't on that episode of okay. Batman, Wonder Woman, John Jones, Superman, and the Flash. Right, and she got in trouble for bringing men there. That's yeah. why she got exiled at the end you of the episode. You don't bring them. You don't bring them manses. Like I said, if you listen to the last episode. Yeah, you? him downstairs. You don't want him. <sighs> you don't over all that stuff. All right, just cut that out. <laughs> oh, I just oh, want, this I want everyone to realize you don't listen to our show when you're not on it. All that other nonsense you say you wanted in, but this was fun. This, this gets cut out. Cut this out. Okay, well, next episode is Fury. A lot of good cast uh, guest cast members on this because we get the basically the Injustice Society, but without Luthor. Yeah. So we get Julie Bowen as Aresia. Susan Sullivan's back as Queen Hippolyta. You get wow. Olivia Dabo as uh, Star Sapphire. Uh, Mark Mark Hamill was. Solomon Grundy. All of the hotnesses in this. All the good voices. Yeah, and then you had security. Solomon Grundy? I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> he did quite a few. Um, Stephen McHattie is the shade, and then Karen Maruyama uh, Mar- 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 as uh, Sakuri, who I think is probably originally supposed to be Katana. I yeah, thought that's so. Yeah, that was their version of Katana, yeah. 
Yeah, it had to look be. Like, yeah, it looked like maybe they couldn't get, you know, they didn't use the right, it. Right, yeah, that's what I thought. Maybe I'm trying to remember this character anywhere else, and I, I couldn't. And so I'm thinking, is this supposed to be Katana? So, yeah. You know, it's funny. It almost feels, the, the vibe in this show, in this these two episodes, feels like she that character was dating or had a little relationship with uh the uh, Amazon, the the guy, the woman, the evil woman from the Amazons. What's her name? Aresia? Yeah, it kind of feels like they were together a little bit. Because even at the end, when she leaves her, she's like, "I ain't like you that much." Mm-hmm. And she and she leaves when they when they were gonna get her. It right. kind of gave off that vibe without them saying it. It kind of I right. wondered, it, like it had that kind of vibe where she was with her a little bit more than the others, and it kind of gave like they were together a little bit. You get what you're saying. In a relationship, I mean. I yeah. can see that, yeah. Um, Ariza has hired the Injustice King to steal some stuff for this master plan. Batman catches them in the act. He's able to take out most of the Injustice King on his own, but Ariza kicks his butt. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he's kind of groggy or whatever, he finds like a piece of Amazonian jewelry and passes it. Okay, so Fury, Season 1, Episode 16 and 17, originally aired April 7th, 2000. Two and April fourteenth, two thousand two. My birthday. Um, hey, happy birthday, buddy! It was on my birthday. I was younger then. Yeah, you were so much younger then. But you were I was a younger man. man. Three days after the important you birthday. You were younger this morning. And my knees were renegade Amazon on the, on a mission to kill all men. Well, we don't know that though. With a killer allergen. Yeah. Well, what what she's going around stealing stuff for a bioweapon. And Batman tries to stop her, gets his butt kicked by her. Um, he, he like pretty much takes up the whole Injustice game, but then gets his butt kicked by her. And right. uh, but is able to like take a bit of her jewelry with him. Uh, he confronts Diana, says, um, "I think whoever's doing this, all these you know robberies, is an Amazon." Diana Touchy. says, "No way, no. It can't be, possibly, it can't possibly be an Amazon." He's like, "Oh yeah, what about this?" And he shows her the jewelry that he found, mm-hmm. and she goes. I- <gasps> She goes, that is from Themyscira. Oops. I'll, I'll look into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. How about that? Run, tell that. It couldn't possibly be her. You know? yeah, I love how Hawkgirl throughout the episode calls her out. Yeah. Little by little. It's subtle. It's subtle the way she does it, but she kind of calls out her, like, you know, you're you're just an extreme. Your religion is just as extreme as the people you, you talk about. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty interesting. There is a lot of dis- like, like you said, like back and forth mm-hmm. discussion about like you know how much different is you know, you know where Wonder Woman is coming from from where Aresia is coming from. How much different is where Hawk Girls coming? You know what I mean? Right, because this of- is a this is an early Wonder Woman who has not interacted with men a lot. Like she's just you know this is her major interaction, so she has not had any male relationships, long lasting ones. I mean yet. And this is, uh, again, Dwayne McDuffie uh, paired with Stan Berkowitz. Mm-hmm. And uh, Butch Lukic is the director on this one. Um, you know, the, Duffy and the, the Duffy influence in that, like you said, that Wonder Woman Hot Girl dialogue, for sure. I see it anyway. Oh, yeah. You definitely see it. That Dwayne McDuffie, I mean, his writing always cuts to, like, the the what's going on behind what's actually going on. You know what I mean? Always and, that, he always adds that dimensionality to his characters. And, and I uh, love... What Hawk Girl, uh, what I love about the way Hawk Girl is written is that she is the kind of, she's the kind of woman that is written where men are written that way. And women don't usually get to be written that way. 
where she's like, I, you know, she's got balls. She's, she's assertive. She's not an idiot. She, uh, loves, she likes to date. Like she's brought it up many times. She's like, you know, I like guys. I like to date. I like to hang out, have beers and stuff. And like, she's not the, she's not a closed off person, you know, like, She doesn't have to be so timid. They don't write her so timid, and I like it. She's a well-rounded individual. Yeah, there's. I, I really like the one line where Wonder Woman asks why men are so important to her, and mm-hmm. Hawk Girl's like, don't knock it till you tried it, princess. <laughs> I thought Literally, that was such a bad thing. Is she calling out Wonder Woman well, being a virgin? Right? Mm-hmm. Well, what she said is, well, you know, she's like, I like, mm. Don't don't put the rock don't don't put the sword down. It ain't when, all bad. And when Hawk Girls you know, is telling her she loves men and like yeah. um she believes the Amazons preach a hatred of men and Arisha's mm-hmm. mission is like a natural extension of that philosophy yeah. philosophy and then Diana doesn't have much to say to that really. Oh she she shuts her down. She's like yeah. you know, right? she totally like listen. I like my green black man over there, don't mm-hmm. tell me not to be with no men. Green eyed black man. I like my chocolate. <laughs> like my space chocolate. Don't don't chocolate be mint. Uh, chocolate mint chip. Don't be shutting my stuff down. Um, Aresia, you know, is, is um, shutting down half the uh, population of mankind, and then it's going to finally deliver the killing blow, and then Wonder Woman and Hawk Girl are able to stop her. Um, and then Aresia confronts Hippolyta. Mm-hmm. Um, asking, you know, isn't this what you wanted? You wanted, you know, men to be destroyed or whatever. And Hippolyta tells Aresia the story. Oh, there he is. Hola. Hi. We're in the middle of doing the show. Could you shut it down? (laughs) (laughs) We're doing the show over here. Come on. Come on, buddy. Hey, hey, come on. You're busting my balls. Mom! You're busting my balls over here. Come on. Um... It turns out that um, Aresia owes her life to a man. <gasps> what? That's right. Evidently, the, the war-torn country that she came from on that boat that got blown up, she would never yep. have survived if the captain had not looked out to her and brought her to Themyscira. And that man is the only man ever buried on Themyscira. Because yep. he saved the life of the girl. Mm-hmm. So, even Aresia owed her own life to a dude. That wasn't enough, however. <laughs> nah, she said, F that. She's like, <laughs> I get it. Whatever. I you know what? I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I I had a chub moment where I thought, just like a woman, even when she's wrong, she won't admit it. Yeah. Oh! I did. It came in my mind. I'm wrong. It was such a, it was such a misogynistic. The indecision comes with the ovaries, right? Y'all are, listen, y'all are Amazons. Y'all will argue to the end, even if you're wrong. You will, you will fight that battle. Maybe the next day you'll go, well, ah, you was, you was right. The sky is blue. Just some just, random, random things I noticed on this episode. Um, when Green Lantern gets hit with the allergen, he collapses right yep. into Wonder Woman's cleavage. Uh, Boom. Yeah, I saw that. I was center. like, oh, and that, and that was after the earlier innuendo where she says she doesn't need a stick to beat off men. Right. She sure did awesome. say that. She sure um, did say that. Girl. Nope, not that sounded so wrong. Girl. I know. I know. I know. 
Whoa! Uh, Wonder, Woman, Wonder Woman throws a cannon at Star Sapphire. That was a cool action scene. Um, yeah, yeah. Followed her as she flew the horizon. Screaming chick fight. Sheldon, tell the truth. Huh? Were you screaming chick fight at any point in this episode? No, I was not because I am not some sort of male chauvinist <laughs> pig. I did. Are you I crazy? did yell for Jello. I was like, "Where's the Jello?" <laughs> So I answered a no man, not even you, when she bitch slaps Batman to the floor. And he got uh, beat up. Yeah, yeah and then I like you, but not that much. When uh, uh, Suki uh, leaves, yeah, uh, they broke to her fate. Yeah, they broke up. Yeah, I guess so. So that was prey or fury. I'm sorry. Um, interesting side note, the, the character from Earth 2, who was the daughter of the uh, Golden Age Wonder Woman, her name, her, the name of her character in Infinity Incorporated was Fury. Oh, wow. Uh, yep, I remember that. And she looked a lot like Aresia does in this episode. Sure did. Yep, so I just wanted to... A little deep geek in there for you on this, on this title, so... Because she was the daughter of Wonder Woman and... Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor, yeah. yeah. Steve Trevor. Yeah. She did Infinity Inc. I love that book. Yep. And her oh, brother right. Hector was the uh, he, uh, the Scarab, Silver Scarab, I want to say. Yeah, he was the Silver yeah. Scarab. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was Fury, Justice League. Uh, I liked it a lot. I give this one a B. It was pretty good. It wasn't like on my top. No, nah, it's good stuff. We get... We're getting cool. up to the top, though. Yeah, it's like, cool to oh, see yeah. the Justice Gang. Yeah. Um, I, I like those characters a lot. As well. So. Going A because I have boobs. And Fair I have enough. a scarab tattoo. So. Fair enough. There you go. Don't stop believing. I, I like when stories uh, involve the mascara and some of that. So, that, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I like how they're building their continuity out. You know what I mean? Like the, right. They brought the mascara back from Paradise Lost and made it a, 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 an essential part of this story, you know. And mm-hmm. they're slowly but surely like like building out on their um, their continuity, and then later it all come back. And we'll see in a lot of cool, interesting ways. So world building techniques that their cinematic universe could use. Yeah, not the first time we've said that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Broken right? record says what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, but. Yeah, good, good insight nonetheless. <laughs> McDuffie and um and Tim were they were really good, man. They really were mm-hmm. good. And we're starting to get into the, into the McDuffie episodes here, so that's awesome. Yes. Oh, Whoa. That sounded like the mothership from Close Encounters. Pretty much. Wow. I must mean it's time to go. <laughs> yeah, but before we go, I just wanted to plug sure. that listeners, if you if you want a treat, stick around after the closing. <laughs> yes. Jim has a present for you. Actually, my son Jack does. Okay. I, I haven't heard it, and I can't wait. It's going to be some extra editing, but yeah, my son Jack. I asked him what he knew about Superman and Batman so and The Flash. He told me. Yeah, yeah son. Uh, if you like geeky podcasts, I imagine you do, because you've been listening to this one for quite a while, then head on over to the Taylor Network of Podcasts.com, 
run by the man, the myth, the legend himself. You've been listening to him now for nine of these two hours. Mr. Daryl Taylor, the mogul, sir. Yes, and in spite of that, please still listen. Honored by your presence, always. Um, the Taylor Network Podcast, where you find no apologies. Happy 250th. Thank you very much. No apologies. Hey. I know. Whatever. I know. Um, Don't help him. Nothing's on, and uh, JK's happy hour, and uh, all kinds of arts and crap, and uh, all kinds of um, great. Well, stuff. Gotham by Geek, especially if you oh, like yeah, uh, superheroes. If you like superheroes, the Batman podcast. So if yeah. you like if you like interviews with Tom King, definitely check out Gotham. Yes, you got some of those for sure. You got some of those. Wow, and that just happened. <clears throat> and Chuck Dixon. And Chuck Dixon, yeah. Um, all kinds of good stuff there. Also, check out where this podcast originated from, hhwlod.com. Half Hour Wasted is back, guys. I They've heard. They've two, two episodes in just the past two weeks. They're back on the scene. The Podfathers themselves, the ones who started out, us all, gave us and the Legion of Dudes our, our little chance for our little podcast show. Um, they are back um, by popular demand. At least I've been popularly demanding it, so I'm glad they're back. Uh, Half Hour Wasted is back. Uh, Walking Dead TV podcast on break right now, but we're definitely going to be back on track with the coming of the new season. And uh, also, as I mentioned, DC TV podcast and the Whedonverse podcast is still there. Check that out. They're going through all the works of Joss Whedon episode by episode. Also, there's some special HHWLOD uh, Star Trek episodes there that we talked about the Star Trek franchise for the 50th anniversary. Um, Daryl was on some of those. So it's Chubb. Pretty good stuff. Um, also, check out the DCTV podcast Facebook group. We are at, what, 216 members? Thank you so much. Uh, Thomas, we will get to your emails next week, buddy. We're running a little long this week. Uh, we only have one episode. Of, hopefully, next time we convene, we'll only have one episode of Preacher, and we'll be able to get to your emails, sir. So I'm definitely looking forward to reading those on the air. So until next next time, we have more DCTV to talk about, more Preacher, more Justice League. And more general all around fun. We are Ghost. Good night, everybody. Thanks. Night. Bye. Bye. Good night. Peace. I'm <laughs> I think I'm sophisticated because I'm living my life like a good homo sapien. But all around me, everybody's multiplying and they're walking around like flies, man. So I'm no better than the animals sitting in their cages in the zoo, man. Cause compared to the flowers and the birds and the trees, I am an ape, man. I think I'm so educated and I'm so civilized, cause I'm a straight vegetarian. With the overpopulation and inflation and starvation and the crazy politicians I don't feel safe in this world no more I don't wanna die in a nuclear war I wanna sail away to a distant shore And make like an ape man
traffic rumble. But give me half a chance and I'll be taken off my clothes and living in the jungle. Cause the only time that I feel at ease is swinging up and down in a coconut tree. Oh, what a life of luxury to be like an ape man. Who's that right there? Captain Who's... Do you know who that is? Iron Man. Do you know who that is? Hulk. Hulk. Who's your favorite superhero? Hulk. Hulk is your favorite superhero? Yeah. Why is that? Um, because... Yeah, come over here so we can talk. So he... Oh, looks like he's so mad and he's a superhero. And and he can Hulk smash something. Yeah, that's why you like the Hulk, because he can Hulk smash. Yeah. What about Batman? I like Batman. Yeah, what do you know about Batman? And he's super... Batman is super strong. Batman is super strong? Yeah. What else about Batman? Batman can fly. Batman can fly. With his cape. Really? Like this. Wow. What else about Batman? He, uh, he fights crime. Uh, and, and Superman and Batman take Joker down. Yeah? Tell me about that. Because he's he been bad today. Uh, 
and and Batman and Superman can fight him. Right. What did the Joker do that was bad? Uh, do you know? Not uh, take over the city. Mm. Like Romeo. Like Romeo. Yeah. He takes over the world. Takes over the world. Yeah. What else do you know about Batman? I know about Batman trying to steal. Uh, I know about Batman tr not trying to steal all of your toys. Batman tried to steal all my toys. And I didn't see him steal Batman's all. a good guy. He wouldn't steal anything. Because Batman has his own toys. Joker is a bad guy, mm -hmm. and he's and he takes away all of your toys. Joker took away all my toys. But they're still here. But they're still here. Yes. <laughs> he's up on that shelf, not stealing away any toys. No, he's just sitting there. He doesn't. This Joker's pretty, uh, pretty safe. On Superman? Yeah. He's a stuffed, stuffed Joker. Stuffed animal. Yeah. Joker. Can you get Superman? Yeah, I'll get Superman. Hold on a second. The Joker up there. Yeah. Like that. What do you know about Superman? Um, he's standing like that. Right, but what do you know about him? I know about him. Flying. I know about him flying. You know about him flying? Like this. Oh, like that. Yeah. He's a dog right now. And he has a face right here. Mm -hmm. Up here. And he has crazy hair. His crazy hair, huh? Um, and he has eyebrows and eyes. And nose. Mm -hmm. What else? And about, now, what else can you tell me about Superman? Um, he has a cape on that back, and it says Superman. Yeah, it says Superman on his cape, huh? Superman is a good guy. Right. What does Superman do? He flies in cities. Right. Like this. He has legs right now, and he can fly with his legs. He flies with his legs. He did a flip. Wow, cool. Watch this. But the Hulk is still your favorite, huh? Yeah. He's right up here. On the, he's on the stress ball, huh? There's Thor. Thor, yeah, he's cool too. I like Captain. I like Superman. Yeah. And this says Superman difference. Super. I have. He has a Superman. He has a name. Man on his on his cape and on on his dress. Right here. Right. I like Superman. Yeah. Do you like, uh, what about the Flash? Do you like I the Flash? No. No? 
You don't like the flash? Why not? But, uh, but he runs so fast. But I like him run so fast. Yeah, what about Spider-Man? I like Spider-Man. Yeah, you like Spider-Man? Spider-Man like Spider is not on here. No, Spider-Man is not on there. And he is on here. He's up here by Hulk. Oh, he is on there. Look, he's right up here. Okay, you found him. Yep, he's on the top of the stress ball. Mm -hmm. Right. So do you remember anything else about Batman or Superman you want to tell uh -huh. me? I like this Superman. Yeah, you like this Superman. In his look. Yeah, you bend his legs. Bend his legs. Yeah. And it's my 12-inch Mego Superman. And his head turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He can fly like this. Now, him and Batman are friends. Yeah. Superman and Batman are friends. Yeah. They all fight. They they team up to fight bad guys, right? Yeah, he fights Joker. Yeah. Um, Superman fights Joker. And Batman fights... Um, Wonder Woman. Batman fights Wonder Woman? No. No, they're both good guys. They're both What do you know about guys. Wonder Woman? I know him through his lasso, the tide of the the bad guys up. That's right, she uses her lasso of truth, right? And tie the bad guys up. Yep, and tie the bad guys up. You like Wonder Woman? Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. I like Superman. Maybe Superman will make Mommy wake up. Oh, uh, you should let Mommy sleep. Mommy's tired. Mommy, remember how Mommy had to work late yeah, last night? Yeah. Mommy had to work a long day yesterday. So uh, he was, was standing up like this. Superman was standing up like that. What was? What did Superman say? He said, "Put that, put, put, put Joker to jail." That's what he said. Put Joker to jail. Yeah. So if you got to meet Batman or Superman, what would you say to them? Um, I said, I said to them, they know they want to say to us, look, Poland in there, Poland in there, what, what is this right here? What is what? Right. It's your leg. Here. It's your leg. 
Um, uh, can we please play Burnout? Sure. Uh, yeah, 